Join Midway Baptist Church for Sunday School at 945, worship service at 11, and Wednesday night service at 7. Pastor Steve and Pastor Josh invite you to join us as we seek to glorify God by building the church of tomorrow today through fervent prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and family ministry. bad but it wasn't very good so we're going to try that so that the folks online know that uh, there are folks here and the folks out in the cars will know there's folks in here so let's try that one more time good morning, good morning. all right well they might have been able to hear that well we're glad you're here this morning and uh, we welcome you to our service but those that are online watching from home those that are out in the parking lot and those of you that have come in the building we're so glad you're here this morning I uh, just wanted to acknowledge that uh, Pastor James Best is uh, back in the area visiting with us, our former associate pastor for our senior adults, and we're glad to have him back. And James, good to see you, my friend, and uh, looking forward to spending some time with him this week. And so, well, we're glad you're here. We're glad the Lord's here this morning. So we're glad that you make up a part of the family of God. So we're going to go ahead and stand up together and sing this morning, uh, The Family of God. God this morning say amen. amen I'm not sure that I'm convinced so I'm really not sure God's convinced so let me just ask that question again are you glad to be a part of the family of God say amen, amen. all right now you've partially convinced me we'll see as the day goes on all right well we're glad you're here this morning and and uh, we want to welcome you to our time of service but before I ask Josh to come up and pray um, you know July is a good month, Josh, and I just want you to know that because there's a lot of important people that have birthdays in July. And uh, no, no, July. And, and, and one of them's, you know, getting much, much older these days. And he told me not to say anything, so I would not dare say anything that Keg Ferguson's birthday is today. I would not tell you that at all. Um, you know, I, 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 just, I just wouldn't do that. I didn't want to embarrass him at all. No, no. So. Oh, by the way, happy birthday, Keg Ferguson. All right. All right, Josh, if you would come and pray. Happy birthday, Keg. I hear it's your birthday. 
Oh, it is. Oh, and Mandy Ellis. Yesterday. Um, I just have a couple of quick announcements before we go to prayer. Uh, it, again, if you are technologically inclined and you would like to get some hands-on, maybe you're uh, thinking about a career in technology or educationally or professionally, we do need some extra hands in the sound room. So if you are willing to do that, I'm willing to train as well as Annie and Mary Jo and uh, Rune is as well. The other thing is, if you're a parent of a birth through 12th grade child, you probably got an email last week just letting you know about some of the resources we've set up on our website. Don't worry, it's not spam, I promise. Uh, you can't open it, it says from Pastor Josh. Um, so if you'll take a look at that, you can get a, gain access to the website we've set up on our well, webpage on our website. And if you have any issues or questions with that, please give me a call, call the office. Pastor Steve, he knows all about it. He'll be able to tell you about it. Um, Maybe. But other than that, um, just keep praying for your neighbors. Keep reaching out to your neighbors. Keep praying for those that are um, having a hard time during this difficult time that we have in 2020. And please continue to pray for the church, not just Midway, but the church all around the world. Because under the news media of, of Corona and everything else, you know, we don't see the stories, but people are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. We don't know what that is in this country, not yet, but people are losing their lives. People are being persecuted, run down. Churches are being burned down just because they call upon the name of Jesus Christ, okay? Nobody burns your church down or burns your building down if you believe in fairies and leprechauns. It's because they're not real. Jesus Christ is. He's the Savior of the world. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your great and glorious majesty, your, your honor and your glory, Lord, and your righteousness that is shown through the Son, Jesus Christ, who bled out and died on Calvary's cross so that all that would call upon his name and faith and turn away from their sin would have not only an abundant life now, but an eternal life, the resurrected body and the new world that you are going to create one day when you come back. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of second chances, third chances, and many more chances, Lord, that you forgive your people, that you call us by our name, that you count the hairs on our head, and that you, O oh God, creator of the universe, are willing to die for us. Take our place that we rightly deserve. God, we pray now more than ever that the church that calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Midway and anywhere else around the world, God, would stand boldly and unashamedly on the absolute truth that there is a God, He is Creator, and He demands justice, and one day we will all answer. And Lord, I pray that you will call your people to repentance, those that are lost and walking in darkness. Father, I pray that you would call them to yourself before it's too late. We can spend our whole life thinking about doing what we want, only to wait till we get to our deathbed to call upon the name Lord Jesus. But Lord, people are snatched into eternity every second. Without former knowledge, 150,000 every day. God, I pray that you would use the body of believers here at Midway and around the world to reach out to their neighbors. Those that are thinking life is okay and there's nothing wrong, Lord, that may have a date with eternity sooner than they think. I pray that you would use us, O oh Lord, to reach out to them to share the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we would be good neighbors. Because, Lord, nobody looks upon a hypocrite and says they want that, God. We are to shine the light of Jesus Christ. We are to follow Jesus Christ. And we are to do it all to your glory because he is the supreme creator. He needs to be preeminent in our life, first, above all. And Lord, I just pray right now that everything that's said and done today, you would use it to convict the hearts of your people, that you would revive us, Lord, if we're dead. That if our spirit needs to be set on fire for you, Lord, that you would use the words today that are spoken in your spirit, Father, to do just that. We each live in communities, Lord, and we're each called by you through Jesus Christ to reach out to everybody of all nations. Lord, that starts in our home. That starts in our neighbor's home. It starts in our community, in our subdivision, wherever it is, Father. It starts in our workplace. 
God, I just pray right now that the desire of my heart and the desire of all the hearts of those under the sound of my voice today would be to see God glorified, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up, and that your spirit would sanctify us, Lord. Make us look more like Jesus today than ourselves, please. Thank you again for all that you do. We ask this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, as we uh, come into worship, part of what we do in worship is we, we sing unto the Lord. And so, you know, we want you to take part in that. You know, it's real easy for us to have folks up here that can sing to you every week. And we could have enough up here that uh, um, could sing. The point is, you're here to worship the Lord. You're here to meet Jesus. So stand with us as we share in this congregational song, and I can't remember the name of it. Till the storm passes by. Did he just say easy? Did he say it was easy? No, I said easy. I don't know what I said. <laughs> No matter what life throws at us, no matter what storm we face, we are secure in the hands of the Lord. And there's going to come a day, my friends, when the storms of life are going to pass us by. We're no longer, but what we want to be is in the presence of the Lord. As we walk hand in hand with Him through the troubles of life, remember the promise just on the other side is of a life everlasting, a life worth living for. So this morning as we continue to worship the Lord, now we're going to ask one of our folks to come and share in some special music. So Andy's going to come and share with us uh, a song. 
And uh, so you just let it meditate under your heart, let it speak to you. And uh, as Andy uh, shares this song, and I guess Tammy's going to play for him, so she'll make him sound better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you just uh, hang in there as uh, Andy gets ready. So we're so glad that we've been gifted with such talented folks uh, that can come and share good music with us. And so here we go. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, there you are. Do you feel blessed this morning? Amen. I do too. Uh, the reason we're blessed is because of um, what the words of this song. So listen to the words, uh, how deep the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of Bibles with you this morning, just go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 20, verses 28 through 34 in just a few moments. But before we do that, I want to just uh, share a few things with you. Last week, I started a a series, a mini little mini-series on um, Be Like a Good Neighbor. You know, I said that State Farm, uh, you know, has coined that phrase... Uh, be be like a good neighbor. Um, But however, they didn't 
come up with that. They actually pulled that from Scripture. Jesus talked about that, and we talked about that very reality uh, in our message last week in talking about the Good Samaritan. But one of the things that I gave you uh, last week and asked you to look at is uh, this little sheet here. It's called Who is My Neighbor? It's got eight blocks on it. Um, and your little house in the center, that represents your house. If you did not get one of those so that you can find out who your neighbor is. Remember last week I told you it's hard for us to, um, to pray for our neighbor. It's hard for us to reach out to our neighbor if we don't even know our neighbor's name. So it's real important that we know our neighbor's name. There's, there's my neighbors. There's a few of those that are around my house. Um, and there are ways that you can find out who your neighbors are. If you want one of those as you're going out today, just outside by the offering plate, you'll find one of those. Pick it up. If they run out, just let me know and I'll make sure you get one. All right? Now, we talked about uh, be like a good neighbor. Today, I want to talk about investing in our neighbors. Investing in our neighbors. And what does that mean to invest in your neighbors? The thing is, the biggest obstacle for many of us in taking the great commandment serious is time. Time is one of those things that a lot of us say that we just never seem to have enough of. Well, the truth is that there's only uh, 24 hours in a day, and we can't put any more in no matter how hard we try. That's all there is. All right, to begin with, let me just remind you so that you understand what the great commandment is. It is one of the most powerful teachings that Jesus ever taught because he said himself that it summarizes for us what the most important attitude and action that every follower of Jesus Christ must be centered in on. We find that in Matthew chapter 22. So if you've got your finger there in Matthew, you might want to flip over just so you know. Matthew 22 verses 37 through 40 says this. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. And we make time for those things that are most important for us, don't we? We all have an ability to be able to make time for the things that we think are most important. Last week, I reminded you the great commandment was extremely important to Jesus. He said that eternal life and all the truths of God found in the writings of the Old Testament prophets and God's spiritual laws hang on the balance and the obedience of the great commandment of loving God and loving people. So if God himself said that it is the most important commandment, I would think that you and I should say that it is most important as well. If you were here last week, you may be thinking, do I really want to put myself out? Do I really want to put myself out there to build a relationship with my neighbors who I don't even know? And at this point, may not even like. You may be thinking this morning, how in the world am I going to have the time to befriend my neighbors with all that I've got to do? Hey, I understand. I understand fully that Time is a precious commodity. I know that for all of us, that we fill our days full of all kinds of things. And for many of us, we find that it is very difficult for us to think about putting one more thing into our day. However, if loving God and loving our neighbors was important to Jesus, shouldn't it capture our attention seize our passions, arrest our commitments, and excite our enthusiasm? Now, if it doesn't, what you're really saying is, I don't consider loving my neighbors as important as everything else that I do. Now, I want you to think about that just for a minute. Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And then he said, the second is likened unto the first with the same passion that you love God, love people. Now, my friends, if we say that I don't have time, I don't want to do that, then what we're simply saying is that it's not important to me like it was to Jesus. 
And if that's the case, I can assure you that you're going to have conflict in, with the heart of God in your heart. Because if Jesus thought it to be this important, he, wouldn't, um, he would certainly want us to think it's that important. So, let's let Scripture uh, do the talking and find further proof that the kingdom of God is as real as the life we experience around us each and every day. And the mandate to love others as ourselves deserves our highest priority in how we live out our lives. So again, if you're in Matthew chapter 20, I want you to stand with me, those of you that are in here, and uh, those of you at home, feel free to stand up as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. I'm going to read verses 28 through 34 for you this morning. And it says, Even as the Son of Man has come not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because uh, they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will you that I should do for you? And they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Father, we ask that as we have read the scripture, and as we have seen the story before us, we ask that, Father, that the Holy Spirit of God would have liberty and freedom now to take the reading of the word of God and turn it into the preaching of the word of God. And then for those that are hearers, that we would turn it into doing the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, that it not be my words, but your words spoken, O Lord. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've got an important question to ask you this morning, and maybe you can help me out. You know, I'm always looking for ways to uh, get to that place where I can retire. So I've got a question for you this morning. So what is a good investment for today. What would be a good financial investment for me to make today? You know, think about it just for a moment before you jump out there and, and, and tell me all your financial plans, all right? It's interesting to me that as I think about that, several strong companies a year ago were doing great. They were, had a superior reputation, their financial status was right up there, and however today, they are struggling to survive. Hmm. Financial investments have always been risky. You always have a, a, a portion of risk every time you invest your money because you never know what the market is going to do. However, today, it seems as though that the risk is, is increased greatly with the, the volatility of the world economy that we live in today. So, for those of you like me looking for good investments when they come down the pike, I have one for you this morning. I have a surefire investment plan that will always, always pay good dividends. Here's what it is. Jesus tells us that if we invest in the people that he puts in our lives, if we invest in their life for the glory of Christ, there is a great payoff one day. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 through 9 remind us that, that there is a day in which we will recoup that which we have invested in the hearts and lives of people for the cause of Jesus Christ. And there are other scriptures, numerous passages that challenge us as believers to serve others instead of ourselves for the glory of the Lord. So today's message focuses on the heart of the ministry modeled by Jesus himself investing in our neighbors. The story in which I read to you this morning is all about Jesus investing in his neighbors. As Jesus wandered around the countryside, 
Um, everybody that he encountered was his neighbors. Remember last week, we talked about the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, reminding us that whoever it is that God puts in our life, that's our neighbor. And so our story this morning reminds us that Jesus is simply investing in his neighbors as you and I are to invest in our neighbors. So the very first thing that, that we learn as we look to this story this morning, we, there's a few things that we're going to look at and we're going to see as God shares with us um, this challenge this morning. First of all, slow down. Take the time for ministry in your community. How many of us... When we leave our house, we pull out of our driveway, we punch that gas down as hard as we can to get on down the road. All right? What I'm getting at is how often do we, uh, you know, hurriedly tool away from our home or hurriedly tool in and park into our driveways or garages or wherever. We, we do it in such a rush. The thing that we see first and foremost from Jesus is his willingness to slow down and to look at ministry and take the opportunity to do it when it presents itself. So I want to challenge you this morning to slow down, take time for ministry in your community. You'll never see the opportunity for ministry in your community if you're always rushing in and rushing out. But here's what we need to do. In our story today, Jesus encountered two blind men on the road to uh, Jericho. They were, he was leaving Jericho and, and he encounters two blind men who hear that Jesus is passing through. In this story, we, we find a few keys for investing our lives in others. First of all, what we see is that we must slow down. If you're ever going to be able to invest in your neighbor, you've got to take the time to get to know your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? The only way that you're going to know who's your neighbor is to slow down, take the time, find out who it is, and then figure out a way to introduce yourself to them so they might get to know you and you get to know them. You might even be surprised. You might have somebody really nice right next door to you. You've never taken the time to figure it out. So we've got to slow down. Well, Jesus did more than slow down. Look, if you would, at uh, verse 32. It says that Jesus stopped. He stopped. He didn't just slow down and as he walked by, see, okay, there's some needs here, but I, I, I've got places to be and I've got things to do. Jesus stopped. He, they cried out, Lord, have mercy upon us, thou son of David. What appears to be a rather simple fact is actually a significant step in serving others. My friends, it's impossible for us to serve others when we're on the fly. We can't do it when we're in such a hurry. We can't do it when we're always on the move and never slowed down or stopped. We must come to that place where we, we slow down enough to see the need and then stop to meet the need. Jesus was leaving Jericho, the scripture says. He was heading to another city where he had intended to preach the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything more important in the life of Jesus on the way to the cross than to get to every city possible and preach the gospel and tell them of the hope of eternal life that was going to happen when he died on the cross. But yet, Jesus took the time to stop to meet the needs of these men along the side of the street. So what does that say to you and I? I hope it says that, you know what, Jesus is trying to teach us that sometimes we got to slow down and see the need so that we can stop and meet the need. He had already spent time ministering in Jericho. Why didn't they come into the city and, and go where he was preaching, where he was teaching? It's real easy for us to say, well, if they want something from God, the church is just down the street. They can go down there and get it themselves. My friends, listen to me. The days of you build it and they will come are gone. The days of Jesus telling us, go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come are here upon us. If we don't go out in the world and tell the world they need Jesus, they're not going to come find him. It's time for us to get out of the church and back into our communities. 
And what I said to you last week, I'll repeat again. Being that we are no longer a community church, Midway Baptist Church, you folks do not live around the church like we once used to. You come from every little community around. And so what Jesus is saying, take him to your community. Take him to where you live. And then bring back those converts to worship with you here. But don't expect them to leave their homes or their communities and come find us here if you don't go find them there. And that's what Jesus did. We're always in a hurry. And time seems to be at our shortage. And one could say that Jesus had three and a half years of ministry. He didn't have time for these kinds of things. He didn't have time for distractions. How many times do we see that, that there were those that cried out for Jesus and, and his own disciples said, leave him alone. He don't have time for the children. Leave him alone. He don't have time for your needs. Leave him alone. He don't have time for you. And Jesus always said what? I've got time. I'll make time. I'll take time because it's important. And here again, Jesus reminds us of how important it is for us to do this. He had already spent the time. He had already left the town, but he stopped. He stopped long enough to meet the need. Our pace of life often becomes so fast that we speed past ministry opportunities and we don't even see them until we look at them in the rearview mirror. And then we say, hmm, I probably could have done something there. But Jesus stopped. He slowed down to here and then he stopped to do. He allowed his temporary schedule to be interrupted for an internal investment. We too need to see the importance of slowing down and taking the time for ministry. I've got a video I want you to watch and listen to the story of these folks as they talk about slowing down and taking some time in their own communities to meet the needs. So, folks, people we'll are play very this busy. Video. Um, and, and because, because we, no we no longer work, work in the same, the same place, place that we live, we travel, uh, much, much of our, our lives are in this some other spot, spot that doesn't have, have this collective, collective nature. nature. People, people are. are Very busy. Um, and, and because, because we, no we no longer work in the same, same place that we live, we travel, uh, much, much of our, our lives are in this some other spot that doesn't have this collective nature of community, we're less uh, reliant on individual contact at the door, next door, in town, etc. We pull into our driveways and the garage door closes and you go into your house, you come out and drive away. It's very easy to to not, not think, think about, about them, them, you know, you know to think, think about, about your home, home my, my work, work, the other things I have to do, and to forget that there's a, someone with a real life, with a real story right next door on the other side of the fence. Hi, we're Todd and Carla Tilpa, and uh, we moved into this neighborhood six and a half years ago, um, not knowing what God would have for us here, but uh, he has brought some wonderful folks into our lives, especially our neighbor Chris and her family. My name is Chris, and I have been a longtime foster parent, and I've adopted seven kids out of the foster system. We were thought the Clampets had moved in. <laughs> Just lots of stuff is left out all over and it trickles around the neighborhood. In the summertime, it's, there's stuff everywhere and not only in their house, but at our house and our yard. So we joke about that with Chris and her family. Man, the Clampets need to clean up their front yard. You know, it's just managed chaos I think is the best way to look at that and some things get dropped to the wayside. It's not like we've gotten past it and everything's fine now. Um, there's still a struggle. There's still stuff in, when I get home from work and there's stuff in our front yard we're like ah! But you know that's uh, that's part of it. It just it's remaining in the mess and remaining in the relationship even though there's some frustrations and and things like that. And I think to look beyond that, the outward appearance and go, 
okay, what's going on there that is a lot deeper? And, and knowing that in the midst of all that mess, Chris and their family is investing in the lives of kids that nobody else wanted. And so can we join her in that? Can we join her in investing in those kids? My neighborhood has really, really, really embraced my family. You know, you've heard that saying, it takes a village. It really does take a village to raise kids and be in a household this size. I know they got my back. I know that they do. And they do it because they want to help. And I'll tell you the other thing that is tempting at times is to look at them like a project. Yeah. Like we're going to teach them how to clean up and mm -hmm. take care of their yard and clean their house and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so it's it, it's been um, that that's a temptation, uh, but it, it it's a part of us that we've kind of discovered to go. You know, it's it's not about them being a project. Mm -hmm. It's it's about just loving them where they're at in the midst of that. And then being the receivers of that too. You know, because it's it's not just us loving on them. Man, Chris has loved on our family yeah. in incredible ways has loved our kids, has ministered to our kids, to us personally, in really wonderful ways. I mean, our neighborhood has become our missional community, and that's who we do life with, is our neighbors. Probably the greatest cost is, is time, um, and, and just comfort, you know? I mean, sometimes it feels like an invasion mm -hmm. um, when there's a crisis going on, or just uh, she wants to sit and talk, or, or whatever and uh, you know the nuggets are on or something else and and uh, and so yeah it, and sometimes you're very aware of that and other times it doesn't feel like a big deal it has helped me so 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 incredibly much just for them to care enough just as a neighbor to come over and like what can we do to help Uh, say, God, what can we do in our community to show you in a greater way? To minister effectively, we must embrace a servant philosophy. If we don't have a servant's attitude, if we don't say, I've come to be a servant, then I'll tell you, it's going to be hard to interact with our community. The Bible says, consider others as more important than yourself in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. The opening verse of our text describes the gracious son of man as one who came to serve and not be served. Jesus himself reminds us that I came not to be served. I didn't come to sit on a throne and have people bow down and worship me. I, I'm, I'm going to give that for all of eternity. I come to be a servant to the people who eventually will serve me. Our text reminds us of who Jesus is, a servant, not one to be served. The big picture of life is, is far greater than our personal desires and our personal dreams. When we see the big picture, we notice that all people are important to Christ. Mark's gospel identifies one of the men in this story as being the man by the name of uh, uh, Bartimaeus. 
And, and we've looked at that story before of Bartimaeus' crying out, Lord, have mercy upon me. The other man remains unknown. And you, you would think, well, why is, why is it that we know one name and not the other? I think there's a point here that Jesus wants to make. I think God wants to make a point that, that there are those that are going to be well-known in our community, and then there are going to be those that are not known. And God doesn't look to the well-known and only do for those that He knows well. But He does for all. As a matter of fact, James tells us and reminds us that, that we should not consider anyone above another. We should not go serve somebody just because they're, they're, they're more wealthy, because they're more influent, because we know them more. But He says that we should not, not look to people and put them in a category or a, a, a realm of, of status. And so Jesus reminds us here that um, though the other man remained unanimous or not anonymous, uh, Jesus didn't show favoritism. He didn't respect one family over the other. He ministered to both of them the same. Jesus demonstrated amazing love to all who call upon his name. As we've said, most of us struggle with busyness. It's real easy for us to only deal with those things that are, are, are going to uh, pay dividends. Our dilemma is bigger than a shortage of time. Every one of us deals with the same amount of time. None of us has any more time than anyone else. Then why is it that some people seem to get so much more accomplished than others? It has really to do with time management has a lot to do with priority. And that's the way it was with Jesus. Now, there's a story in the scripture that Jesus tells us about a time when he went to a dinner party at none other than Mary and Martha's house. We all know the story of the dinner party at Mary and Martha's house. Martha was so excited about Jesus coming, she was hurrying up and, and she was doing all kinds of things in the kitchen. She was making a, a, a Thanksgiving spread and she was putting out the best china. She was doing everything. But Mary, that slacker she was, she was in the living room sitting at the feet of Jesus taking in every word that he had. And Martha, getting all upset, said, Jesus, tell Mary to get up from the floor and get out in the kitchen and start serving. And Jesus reminds us of that truth, my friends. We need to understand the difference between that which is important or urgent and that which is needful. And he said of, uh, to Martha, I will not do that, Martha, for Mary has figured out what is needful, what she needs for her life. Listen, my friends, I want you to understand that the, the, the problem with us is that we have this problem of the urgent crowding out the important. We have placed things in our life that are urgent. I got to get to work. It's urgent that I get to work. It's urgent that I get to the grocery store. It's urgent that I go here. It's urgent that I go get my hair cut today. Is it? It might be important, but is it urgent? See, the urge has a tendency of pushing us quicker and quicker. We, we run from one thing to the other. The story of Mary and Martha teach us that we need to live a counterculture life in order to experience the life that Jesus really wants us to live. Instead of being in a hurry, doing the urgent, we need to do that which is important. When Jesus is speaking, we need to sit down and listen. When Jesus is working, we need to, we need to figure out how we can join in with what he's doing. Instead of creating our own things, we need to join in with what God's already doing. We need to learn how to say no to the good things and yes to the main things. Now, Ray Ortland wrote a simple book years ago called The Three Priorities of the Local Church. And I want to give them to you in a nutshell. Here's what they are. Love God fully, love people intentionally, and love people towards a relationship with Jesus. The three main things that we have to do as a church is love God fully, love people with intentionality, and we need to love them towards bringing them to a relationship with the same Savior that took us out of the darkness and put us into His marvelous light. So we need to love God, love people, love people to Jesus. That's the main thing that we should be about. 
I told you last week or reminded you last week that uh, six months ago we started a who's your one um, idea, theme for the year of who is one person that you can pray for, that you can be praying for to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, Corona came in and kind of knocked that uh, off its stilts. but, But listen, I want you to understand that Satan, though he may try to keep us from praying for our one, Jesus is still trying to encourage us, pray for your one. It was at this point of uh, of the year that I was going to uh, introduce to you the second stage, and I may do that next next month, uh, which is, who is that one person you can disciple for Jesus Christ? That one person, it may be that after we come through this time of getting to know our neighbors, we might be able to lead them to the Lord, and we might have the opportunity to disciple them in how to walk with Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be super? So we need to recognize the the important thing in which we're doing. The truth is we live in this tension between the urgent and the important. And when our priorities are determined by the urgent, our lives won't match up to what our intentions need to be. Jesus is our perfect example. He got a lot done, but he never seemed to be in a hurry. Can you tell me anywhere in the scripture where it looks like Jesus is in a hurry? No. But I can tell you in three and a half years, he accomplished more than most of us do in our entire lifetime. How is that possible? Well, let me just kind of summarize it all up. He got a lot done and was never in a hurry because Jesus lived a life in a specific rhythm. Now, let me just talk about that rhythm for a minute. He regularly slowed down in order to live a healthy pace. To get recentered on living life within God's kingdom as his number one priority. He found himself oftentimes in large groups of hundreds or thousands, in small groups of twelve, in intimate groups of three. But very often, we read the scripture that he pulled himself away from all of that. And he went into seclusion with his heavenly father in prayer. That was his spiritual refueling time. I wonder, do we live at a pace that allows us a certain rhythm to spiritual refueling? As well as the ability and the availability to those around us. Do we allow time in life so that that people can interrupt us? Jesus had a time for people's interruption. Do we? Or do we just find it a real nuisance when people bother us from our schedule? What would it take to change the pace of your life so that you could be available for those around you when you saw the need? That you slowed down enough to see the need and instead of driving by the need, you stopped and helped meet the need. What would your community look like if you saw God's big picture for ministry? I want you to watch this next video and listen to what these folks have to say about how that can be done. We've lived here a long time. We actually do know quite a few of our neighbors. Although we know people and we've, we've chatted, you know, outside and whether they're working on the lawn, something like that, that's about the only time really that you do get to see a neighbor is like in better weather when you're outside. We're really running all the time, busy, busy, busy. We've got our days filled. And I think learning to stop and listen to someone and talk to someone for a few minutes, those kinds of things seem really hard. You know, we just want to keep going. And you know what? It's important. One of the ideas we had was a block party. It was kind of unusual for us because we're not the most adept people at entertaining, especially big groups, you know, and we're not organizers. That was the big thing. So many people wanted to participate. I mean, vast majority. I just think people are hungry for uh, relationship, neighbor, neighborhood type things. Some of the people that jumped in the most, or just as much as anyone else, uh, were non-believers that just thought, yes, let's do this. They were just very enthusiastic and neighborly types. 
my heart just went out to several families because I was just, you know, found out what they were going through. And I didn't know, a family I thought I knew fairly well. Uh, the wife had just gone through cancer treatment and I had missed that whole span, you know, of her going through it. And I didn't even know I felt just badly about it, you know. You have people around you that, that are important that need to be known. You can run around your busy life and it's like, you're trying to find something else and people are right before you that need your attention that God's calling you to give your time to. What I realized uh, from doing this was just uh, how many needs there were. You would drive up and down the street, you would realize what a nice neighborhood, but in each house there was a, a story, uh, unique needs people had, and I really learned that as we scratch deeper that there was a lot to pray for. I thought that we needed to involve the others that we know that are believers in our neighborhood even more and try to maybe get together and pray, talk and pray about this, you know, so that we could uh, help each other meet some needs in the neighborhood. You can get caught up in maintenance and work and maintenance and the work you do and, uh, and I don't want to turn around someday and find out I just did maintenance and work and I didn't do some very important things in my life. That which is important. So let me very quickly end with this last point. We need to serve out of compassion in ministry in your community. Jesus gives us a perfect example. As a matter of fact, he even uses those very words. Jesus modeled genuine service by slowing down, seeing the need, seeing the big picture of what it might do if he just connects with these two men just for a few moments. And then he served with compassion. Listen to what verse 34 says, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Unfortunately, too many of us seek the applause of men instead of the approval of God. Jesus did not serve for compensation. These blind men begged for mercy. They did not offer to pay Jesus for his healing. Christ honoring service is motivated by compassion, not by compensation. Jesus laid down his life to save humankind due to his love and compassion for us. We become like him most when we too show compassion and demonstrate sacrificial living towards other people through ministry opportunities. The more compassion that we have, the more that we can serve people. The more we serve others, the more compassion we're going to have towards other people. The more love and compassion we have, the more desire to serve other people we will have. It's kind of a chain reaction. The one feeds the other and the other feeds the one. It makes us grow. It makes us go. We may seek or we may speak about how much we love God and how much we love people, but without ministry is simply empty words. James says, show me your works for faith and I'll show you my faith that works. You see, if we have true faith, we're going to want to do these things for others. We're going to want to desire. We're going to want to reach out. We're going to want to share our lives with them. Jesus shares with us this compassion. Compassion can appear in many different ways in our life, many different forms. But it is whatever way it manifests itself in you, Compassion will always prove itself out by the way that we serve others, such as our neighbor. The clue to getting to know what your passion is, is simply this. God is calling you to do something in ministry. He's inviting you to check out your passion, your heartbeat, and what you feel compassionate for. So here's what we do. For example... Some people feel compassion over the people that are ill. Those people that are sick of any kind of sickness. I, I know several of you that have that compassion for the sick. 
If you know that they're sick, you can't help but do something. You've got to bring them soup. You've got to call them. You've got to send them a card. You've got to reach out in some way to, to, just to help them during their time of sickness. There are others of you that I know have compassion towards those that are going through physical or material needs. And if you see the need or hear the need, you, you look for a way that you can meet the need. And that's so important. But here's what you need to understand is that we all have our own areas that we're passionate about. We have our own areas that we're gifted in compassion. Now, whatever way that you are, 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 are bent towards, whether the sick or the needy or this or that, the ultimate thing that we need to remember is the great goal is that we need to present Jesus. We need to make sure that we are sharing our passion, our compassion, with the invitation to come know our Savior. It's important to note that whatever you're passionate about, Ultimately, we want to point them to Jesus. So let me close. In his book on service, Charles Swindoll shares a convicting antidote that I wanted you to hear this morning by the, on the way that most of us approach Christian service. Charles Swindoll wrote this. He said, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul, or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equip or to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough to make me love someone that's different than me. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not of a new birth. I want a pound of eternal life in a paper sack. I would like to buy three dollars of God, please. We are called, all of us, as believers, to serve God. And I can assure you the cost of serving God is far greater than $3. But I can also promise you, the scripture says that the reward is far greater as well. Today, you and I are being challenged to... Uh, allow the hand of God to slow us down a little bit in our communities, to look around and open our eyes... And for the Holy Spirit to touch our heart about someone next to us or near us that we might be able to involve our life in. That they might see us serving Christ. Last week I gave you that sheet, Who's Your Neighbor? So I challenge you, if you did not get one, please pick one up. You can't effectively pray for your neighbor if you don't even know their name. It's impossible. The only way that you're going to understand what their needs are is first get to know their name and then get to know something about their life. So I'm challenging you, even in the midst of this COVID-19 issues that we're facing, there are ways in which you can get to know your neighbors. In the last several months, as it's warmed up outside and even during those rainy periods, in my community, several folks were walking up and down the roads. We've all done it. We needed to get out some way, somehow, so we were walking. I've, I've met several of my neighbors, not from just right around me, but from way down the street. Because they were walking with their families, and I got to go out and have a conversation, just a brief but a conversation with them. So I challenge you, get off your recliner and go take a walk. And maybe you will encounter one of your neighbors that you've never encountered before. As they're out working in their yard, maybe you can wave and talk from the road. Stay your six feet and all that foolishness. But there is ways for you to do it, my friends. Now, I know that it's not as easy as it once was to find our neighbors. We can't call up Mabel. Mabel, give me, uh, you know, Joe down the street. We can't do that anymore. As a matter of fact, it's even getting harder to go on uh, whitepage.com and find your phone numbers anymore because most of us have gone to cell phones as our only uh, telephone, and guess what? They don't list those yet. So 
you might struggle finding a number, but try. Find a number. See if you can call. Find an email. Get on Facebook. Most people, except for me, are on Facebook. All right? Um, so maybe you can find them there. Connect with them. Tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you. Just want to make sure you're okay. Check in. Let them know. Maybe there's a need right next door that you don't know that you can meet. I challenge you that are at home, look outside your door today. Who's your neighbor? When's the last time you've connected with your neighbor? For those of you that are here, those of you that are out in the parking lot are going to be driving home in just a few moments. I challenge you, take some time to look around your community and ask God to reveal to you who you might connect with and then go and do it reach out not only will you be blessed by being obedient but you can bless somebody else God has a blessing out there waiting for you and now I'm sending you on your way to go find it those of you that are at home if the Lord has spoken to your heart Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you just to stop, and I want everybody in here as well, just to stop and pray for your neighbor right now. Just lift up your voice. Maybe you don't know their name yet. Maybe you know there's a house next door. Maybe there's a house behind you, a house beside you. Would you just ask the Lord to open up the opportunity for you to minister to them? You're praying for your neighbor. You know... Pray that God might open a door of opportunity for you to share your your faith with them. And then if you're here this morning and God is speaking to your heart, I want you to come to the altar. Maybe you need to, to say, you know what? I don't need to just pray for my neighbor. I need to really pray for my neighbor. I need to come to the altar and, and I need to lift my voice before him. Maybe you're here this morning and, and God has spoken to you. Maybe a neighbor has come to you. Someone that has, God has placed in your path. And they've shared the good news with you this morning. Do you want to come and share what God is doing in your life? Would you like to do that? For those of you at home, please pray for your neighbors. Please lift them up. I'm going to ask the sound folks to close out the service there. And I want to just ask you.